Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On by Philip, episode 101, Philip K. Dick on television. And I'm talking, of course, about The Man in the High Castle. This is a new series that was just picked up by Amazon in their streaming video. As a matter of fact, the pilot, which I'm going to review in this podcast, has been the most watched pilot in Amazon's history. And 2015 is already, here we are just at the end of the month of February, but it's already shaping up as a year of superb science fiction on the screen. There was the movie Predestination, that was the movie of All You Zombies, the Robert Heinlein story. The 12 Monkeys TV series on the Sci-Fi Channel has been going great guns. And in fact, uh, episode 100 of Light On, Light Through reviewed both Predestination and the 12 Monkeys TV series. But let's now get to the Man in the High Castle TV series. This, of course, again, most people in science fiction, probably just about anyone who's ever read any science fiction, have heard about, if they haven't yet read, the Philip K. Dick alternate history masterpiece. This was a novel that was published in 1962. It established Philip K. Dick as one of the all-time science fiction greats. And it is still, in my view and in the view of many other people, the single best alternate history story ever published. And I think it's now about to become the best alternate history story ever on television. I saw the first episode, as I mentioned, and I thought it was just outstanding. The story is that the U.S. lost the Second World War to Nazi Germany and Japan, who split the U.S. down the middle, and there's a small neutral zone in the United States between them. Now, this scenario bears some similarity to the book Fatherland that was written by Robert Harris several decades after The Man in the High Castle. But I have to say that although I very much enjoyed Fatherland, The Man in the High Castle was always the superior novel. The year in The Man in the High Castle is 1962, and The Man in the High Castle is part of the resistance, who's distributing movies on reels which show the United States and its allies, not Germany and Japan, winning World War II. As a matter of fact, in the novel, these were not movies on reels. They were printed reports. And one of the things that the pilot did is it turned those printed reports into movies on newsreels, which I think was actually a very good idea because obviously clips on reels work much better on the screen than printed material. Now, whether these film clips are just propaganda or reflections of a truer reality, in fact, our reality as we know it, that this man in the high castle has access to, remains to be seen. And uh, this whole scenario is a great example of the flickering nature of reality that Philip K. Dick is so well known for. 
The fine touches and subtleties of the plot are excellent. Swastikas and Japanese suns popping up on all kinds of places, including Times Square and the Golden Gate Bridge. The tension between the Japanese and the Nazis is also well taken and very well played. The Nazis, in fact, always considered the Japanese inferior, and the Nazi alliance with Japan was mainly one of convenience, that is, getting an ally to fight the United States and England. On the Japanese side, although they are far from angels, their reign is not quite as brutal as the Nazis in the U.S. East in the man in the high castle. We see African Americans and all kinds of people in the West that the Nazis would find unacceptable. In contrast, we get a grisly scene in which the Nazis are incinerating, quote, cripples, unquote. Hitler, in 1962, is old and likely soon to die. The Japanese correctly feel that his successor, Himmler or Goebbels or Goering, will drop nuclear bombs on the Japanese in San Francisco. In this alternate reality, Germany was most responsible for winning the Second World War because it beat the U.S. in getting the atom bomb and used it on America. This is the backdrop against which the American resistance, whatever exactly it is, must contend. Now there's a kick in the gut twist at the end of the pilot, which I won't tell you about in case you don't know the story. What I will say is that in pacing, storyline, and carefully constructed 1962 alternate history environment, the man in the high castle on television looks set to do Dick's novel, Some Memorable Justice. Now, I was quoted earlier this year about 2015 being the year in which streaming moved into really high gear and even dominance as the mode of television presentation. And that was before I saw A Man in the High Castle on Amazon. I was thinking about House of Cards uh, and other great shows that are available on Amazon, Netflix, and other streaming networks. But The Man in the High Castle on Amazon is certainly as strong a piece of evidence in favor of my prediction. And that's no alternate history. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, not only was the pilot superb, but the news just came out a few days ago that Amazon will be putting up at least one complete season of The Man in the High Castle. And I think that TV series could do for alternate history on television what Star Trek did for science fiction on TV in our real history in the past century. And I'll be back here with reviews of more science fiction, more television. I'll get back, don't worry if you like it, to some political podcasts as well. In the meantime, I'm Paul Levinson. Enjoy. The Light on Light Through Podcast. Athens, 2042 A.D. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, 
then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries.